0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and God and me. Good to see everyone again. If we had one question we could ask Saint Mary. What kind of what do you what kind of question do you think we could ask? We have one question. There's no right or wrong answer. what would you guys ask Yes Why did God this? louder please Why did God create this? It Well, Saint Ma- we're going to ask Saint Mary like not theological mm-hmm. question. I'm talking about like <laughs> like something about her relating to her. That's a good question though. How can I be like you? Okay. Okay. How can I be like you? Let's take let's take this question first. If you, if you if you ask Saint Mary, how could you be? How can I be like you? I think she would probably say, "What? I'm I'm nothing. You know, I don't know why God chose me. I don't deserve. Probably something like that." What, what's the question? Yeah. How, you have faith? how do you have faith? How did you have faith? Again, I think she would divert it. She would divert it. It's really interesting. I was trying to think, like, if I asked St. Mary a question, the first initial thoughts would be, be something similar to what you guys asked, right? You know, what what kind of things did you inter uh, experience with the Lord Jesus, right? Or how could I be like you, right? And... She really didn't say much. If you read in the scriptures, she didn't have many times where she went off on a long discourse. She had the one prayer. She had a few few sayings here or there. But it's nothing like very extensive that she spoke. And actually, the Bible mentions something about St. Mary, that she kept everything where she kept it where? You're pointing to it. In her and her heart. So... If you ask anything personally about her, she probably wouldn't share too much. This is just her nature, not because she doesn't want to share. This is her nature, her humility. But one thing that she can't resist is when it comes to help someone. And I think the best question to ask her would be something like, how can I be a better Christian? She can't help but help you because this is her nature too. Do you remember what she did when the archangel Gabriel told her, basically, you're going to have the most important job in the world. You're going to be the mother of God. The Messiah will be born of you. And also your relative Elizabeth is is pregnant. And he told her all these things. And what did immediately St. Mary do? What did she do? She didn't sit and ponder these things and Wonder how amazing this is. What did she do? She went to go who? To serve who? Elizabeth. Anybody know how many miles she traveled? Close to a hundred miles. A hundred miles to go serve her relative Elizabeth. This is St. Mary's nature. So again, what would I, what can I do to be a better Christian? And I actually think she answered the question already. Do you remember what happened at the wedding of Cana of Galilee? St. Mary, as we said, whenever she saw trouble or when she ever saw a need, she couldn't help but serve or she couldn't help but offer some sort of assistance. And she saw that they ran out of wine. And she went to the servants Sorry, she went to the Lord Jesus Christ first and she presented the problem to him. She didn't give him the solution. She didn't say, you need to do this. And this is an indication of her close, beautiful and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The saints, when we want to learn from the saints, this is the type of relationship that they have. They presented the problem to the Lord and waited for him to give the solution. And then the Lord answered answered her, Woman, what does this concern have to do with me? What does your concern have to do with me? In the translation, it says woman. But actually the better translation, because whenever we hear the word woman, it's like, why did he disrespect St. Mary's? A lot of people ask that, right? It sounds disrespectful. If you went to your mom and said, hey woman, what are you doing today? Kind of thing. You might get slapped across the face, right? But actually the best translation is my lady, my lady. It sounds so different, right? Right, my, my fair lady or my, 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 my woman, my, my lady. What does your concern have to do with me? And then what did she do? She went to the servants and told them what we're going to take as our answer from her for the question, how can I be a better Christian? She said to them, what? Whatever? Hmm. Whatever he says to you, what? Do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And I think this is the answer. And this was the secret to her own life. Whatever he said to me, I did it. I made it an afterthought. It means I did it and didn't look back. It's so simple. And right now you guys all memorize the verse. Whatever he says to you, do it. And one of the most important verses. And if you could live by this one verse, your whole life will change. It's so simple. It's so profound and deep. It's so easy that a child can memorize, but how many of us can live? I was asked today to touch on our conduct. And the verse that was kind of the theme for this week was, do not let anyone despise your youth, right? So, I'm going to kind of rephrase it a little bit How should we conduct ourselves? How should we conduct ourselves as Christians? And as we said, St. Mary gave us the perfect answer. But before we kind of tackle that question, how should we conduct ourselves? We have to know something. Before even when we take St. Mary's words of whatever he says to you, do it. We have to know something or we have to tackle something before that. What, what would that be? Can we think? Hmm. Hmm. Think of it a little bit. No guesses? This one has a right or wrong. <laughs> I think the first thing that we have to think about is who we are to be able to conduct ourselves. Right? Who we are somebody asks you, who are you? It might be an easy answer for some of us, right? But some of us might identify ourselves in a way that is not correct. Maybe I identify with a certain group of people, maybe ungodly people. Maybe I identify identify myself with a certain lifestyle. Maybe I identify myself according to the pattern of the world okay we have to be so careful do you guys remember who was here yesterday for the liturgy anybody was here raise your hand honestly if you were here yesterday sunday for liturgy okay the gospel reading you guys remember it, right what was the gospel reading about hmm yes huh yes what was the gospel about the gospel was not about the gospel. I mean, it is, yes, temptation. <laughs> That's kind of a cheating answer. Yes. Very good. Very good. St. Matthew's calling. When the Lord came to St. Matthew, St. Matthew fell into that tribulation, that temptation. If we ask St. Matthew before he met Christ, we say, who are you? Do you know what he, he would say? He wouldn't just call himself Matthew. Because everybody knew who he was. He was Matthew the what? The tax collector. His identity no longer became a Jewish man named Matthew who was living life. He became the tax collector. The sinner. Every time someone saw him, That's the tax collector. That's the one who turned his back on us, his brothers and sisters. That's the one who's cheating us. That's the one who lies to us. That's the one who's tricked us. That's the one who's cheated his own family. And if we asked St. Matthew, before he was St. Matthew, who are you? He would say, I'm a tax collector. This became his identity. And that's exactly what the world and Satan wants to do with us. You are no longer who you really are. You are a sinner. You are identified with this sin. You are this habit. You are whatever you're falling into. That's what you are. You are the sin. And sometimes even the world has twisted it so much to make the sin something good to make the sin something people are proud of, and celebrate. This is not what God says. The most important is what God says of me. Who are you? He saw Matthew, not the tax collector. He saw Matthew, the gospel writer. He saw Matthew that wrote Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, also known as the Sermon on the Mount. The most beautiful and important sermon ever. That's the Matthew that Christ saw. And you know what the Lord did? He went and He told him. He didn't tell him, but He implied when He called him. When He said, follow me. He wanted to him to know that I know everything about you. I know how much sin has plagued your life. I know what they say of you. I know how everyone judges you. I know what you've done against your own people. But I still come to you. And where did the Lord come to St. Matthew? Do you guys remember? Where? In the what? Hmm. What's going on, guys? Are we shy or something? Where? In the tax office. In the middle of the place where he's cheated so many people. In the middle of the place where so many people were taking advantage of, even widows and orphans. He came to him in the midst of that. Maybe as he was cheating someone, And he says, what? Follow me. Follow me. Know that he's coming and calling for each of you. Individually. He's doing the same to you and I today. This is not just a general message that God gives to us. Oh, follow me. And if you follow, it's up to you. If you don't follow, it's up to you. It's okay. I have other followers. No. You are so precious in the eyes of God. You are his child. You are made in his image and likeness. You are his special treasure. You are his temple. You are the one he loves. You are his. Don't let whatever sin is in your life trick you to the point that you lose your identity, who you are. Maybe we've been so attuned to these sins that all my life, all my thoughts, all my decisions are based on this sin. All my conduct. Sin wants to take over everything. Satan, he wants to take over everything in your life. But you know what dawned on me yesterday? It was like this profound idea that I never thought of before. And it might be so simple to you And you might have already figured it out But it was the first time I I really focused and figured it out Yesterday We know God is everywhere Right? Is Satan everywhere? Is Satan everywhere? Yes or no? Huh? Is Satan Infinite like God? How many Satans are there? How many? One Satan. He has demons, maybe a lot of demons. But can Satan be everywhere? No, he can't. He can't. Only God is everywhere. Only God is omnipresent. And that's why the Bible tells us, flee, resist Satan. And what will he do? he will flee from you. He doesn't have time to bother you all day, every day. Because he has other people he has to work on. And if you keep resisting him and resist him and resist him, eventually he's going to flee. Can I tell you a little quote that I love to say? And I'll tell you why this quote came to me. Repeat after me. Flee and the flea will flee, okay? Repeat again, flea, and the flea will flee. I was in the 40 days. They call it the honeymoon of Abuna. Do You remember your honeymoon? (laughs) I miss my honeymoon so much. Anyways, it was a great time. Beautiful, beautiful time. It's just you and God, and you get to pray liturgy every day, and it's like the desert, and just, it's just you and God. And so I was taking extra time in my readings, extra time in my prayers, and I did something that I loved. I would read the Bible, and I, every sentence that I, I would read, or every verse I would read, I would write something relating to that verse. So it was God talking to me, and I wrote a letter back to God. So it was a conversation. And it was, I would say, like one of the most spiritual times of my life. And so I got, I got really into it. And there was one time, there was a verse I was talking about Satan. And I was writing in my notes, Oh, Lord, that ugly Satan. He's so big and scary and he wants to devour me and destroy me. But when I'm with you, God... That big ugly monster Satan becomes a tiny little flea. And as exactly the second I wrote the word flea, what jumps on my Bible? A flea. I smashed it and I started laughing like crazy. We were like a group of 12 new priests and each one had their own room. And all they hear is, ah, in my room. They thought I was going mad. But it was one of the best experiences. And I was reminded of it today because I ended up giving that Bible to someone that was going through a problem. And I haven't spoken to this person in like 10 years. And somebody told me, did you ever give a Bible to someone? And I was like, yes, the Bible with the flea on it. Yes. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, "Never mind. I'll share it later. But again, flea. And the flea will flee, and the flea will flee. He's nothing. He's so tiny. We make him this huge monster. If he was this really huge monster that we we make of him, the Bible wouldn't tell us just resist him and he will go away from you. Resist him and he will flee away from you. He has no power. He has no power over me when I'm with Christ. The Lord is coming to you and he's telling you, follow me. It also says in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love that verse. I started to think about that verse and I was like, wow. It makes it seem like I have to take the first step. Who, who's the one who takes the first step? Look, read the, listen to the verse again. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Who has to take the first step? Hmm. It seems like it's us, right? I draw near and then He'll draw near. But actually, if you think about it, if I draw near to God, how will He know that I drew near to Him Unless he's watching me. So in actuality, who's the one that took the first step? Hmm. Definitely God. He's waiting for you. He's watching you. And he's the one that told me. Draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. God is the one who took the first step. Not just the first step. Many, 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 many steps wherever you are, even in the middle of sin, like where St. Matthew was in the tax office, is watching you, waiting for you, inviting you, promising you, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You know what I love to hear? Have you ever been in a situation, a tough situation, and you have this like good friend, and your friend tells you, "I got you." You ever been that? Been in a situation like that? I love hearing that. As a bonus, we love hearing that because we are always in situations. I need somebody to help me do this. I need an errand to be run. I, oh, I got you, Abuna. I got you, Abuna. I rarely hear it, by the way, but it's so nice when I hear it. God always tells you, "I got you." Always. He always tells you, I got you. Because he's your friend. And he's always watching you and hearing you. Even the little things in your life mean very big to God. Pope Carolus had a beautiful saying. He said, Know for sure those huge issues in your life, the insurmountable problems that you might have something that you never envision ever going away to God that's so small in comparison to his power that he wants to give you. And the little matters, the little tiny things that are hampering you and bothering you, to God, those are so huge because he loves you so much. Did you hear that? The big problems that I was like, I feel like I'll never overcome this, God. I've I've been falling into this over and over and over again. To God, in His power, when He's with you, it's nothing. Those little things, whatever it is, it's so big to God because He loves you. I love to tell stories, I'm gonna tell you another story. We were at In-N-Out. Actually, I was telling this story to a group of priests, and I was telling them, did I tell you the story of the miracle of In-N-Out? There's a miracle that happened with my family in In In-N-Out. And one of the clergy, he said, Abuna, In-N-Out is a miracle by itself. (laughs) So what happened was, we were in the drive-thru. And have you ever been to In-N-Out when the drive through is so long that there's a guy waiting out front to take the orders? You know what I'm talking about, right? So that was what happened. There was a guy out front, huge long line. My girls wanted In-N-Out. I was getting it for them. And I know their order. One likes a hamburger. One likes a cheeseburger. And they share a fries. Okay? So I go. And I, the guy is there. And I said... Hamburger, cheeseburger, fries. Okay, and he gave me the total. Then we go, and I'm now four or five cars behind me, and my daughter starts crying. I have two little ones, an eight year old and a five year old. The five year old starts crying. Daddy, 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 What's? I thought something's a tragedy. I was like, what's going on? I wanted a root beer float. I was like, what? I was on the phone. So I ordered quick and I went. And I was like, what? She said, I wanted a root beer float, Daddy. I look back, there's already now four or five cars behind me. I was like, okay, we just bought ice cream. This was during the holy fifty days, so you know it's not during the fast." <laughs> so you know, like don't don't give yourselves excuses. I have another story about that by the way. There's many in-and-out miracles. <clears throat> so I said, uh, uh, "We we just bought ice cream. We'll just have ice cream today. We'll get a root beer float next time." And now a couple more cars pat behind me. No, I I wanted it now because I wanted a root beer float. <sighs> I looked back. The guy's way back there. Okay, no way. I I I was okay. There was like seven, eight cars before I got to the window. I said, "Okay, when we get to the window, I'll get you a root beer float." So I'm talking to myself. I'm like. You have to order a, a vanilla shake and a root beer, and then that you make mix them together, you make a root beer float, okay? So I said, okay, we'll get a, root, a vanilla shake and a root beer. So we get to the window, and the lady says, I'm about to say, I want to add, okay? I'm about to say, I want, and she goes, okay, you ordered a hamburger, a fries, a cheeseburger, a vanilla shake and a root beer, correct? I said, what? What did you say? She repeated it. I said, that's not what I ordered, but that's what I wanted. And I was like, did you hear me? And she said, what are you talking about? <laughs> she going mad. And I was like, and then my daughter in the back is like, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God. And I'm like really confused. I'm like, girls, what happened? Did you see that? She said, yeah. So I go to the next window to really prove it was a miracle. The guy only gave me a cheeseburger, hamburger and a fries. And I said, sir, does it say on the receipt, a root beer and a vanilla shake? He said, yeah, it does. I didn't see that. I said, I didn't know we ordered it, but you better give it to me. It was something amazing. And I started to think about it. How those little things to us, they matter so much to God. As a little child. I could have ordered it. God wanted to prove to us those little things mean so much. How much those big things in my life. God wants to help us. God is always near to us. I'll tell you the other in and out story. Don't try this one, okay? Everybody promise me you're not gonna try it, okay? I-, I promise. There was a person who ended up becoming an Abuna. He's not from here. So, he was, he, it was during the Great Lent and he was so upset, something happened at work. He was so mad and he blamed God. And he said, you know what, God? I'm gonna go to in and out I'm gonna go get a hamburger, a cheeseburger from In-N-Out. So he went to In N Out and he ordered like a double double with this and that. And then he's like, he was like, you know, chomping at the bits. He ordered it, he's gonna go home. He goes home and he found it, a veggie burger. Can <laughs> you imagine that? <laughs> That's the other one, but you said you're not gonna try it. Okay. <clears throat> draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So what should I do? Going back to the story of the wedding of Cana of Galilee. I want us to find ourselves in this story. I want us to be like something in this story. I want us to be like the water pots. If we have felt in our life that I've tried maybe to overcome things. I've never felt really close to God. There's things in my life that I just felt like they're insurmountable. I want us to be like the water pots. What do I mean? These water pots were to carry water for various things according to Jewish customs, but they were about 20 to 30 gallons. They carried that much water. So imagine those five gallon, you know those five gallon, like five to six of those. Huge, right? Huge. This is your heart. This symbolizes your heart. I think it was St. Gregory the theologian He said something pretty amazing He said Each of us has been created With a heart That is The capacity of it Is for the infinite love Each of us The heart that God has given to us Its capacity Is for infinite love For this is what God This is where God chooses to reside so look how deep the well of your heart is. Why do we see so many people stuck in sin? Why do we see so many addictions? Why do we see so much hardship Hardship in the world? It's because the capacity for love is being filled with sin. And the more it gets filled, the more they're hungry. And this is how people fall into addiction. and God is waiting to fill it. What did the Lord tell the disciples to do? Not the disciples, the servants. He said, fill these jugs with what? With water, right? So each of us, our job is to fill our heart with water. What is the water? Water symbolizes something to clean. Water symbolizes, reminds us of our baptism. Water, we remember our tears. Fill your life with things to cleanse your life. Repent and confess the word of God. The Lord Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Prayers, tears, repentance, matanyas. Fill your heart with this water. And then he will take that water and he will change it, not to just wine, But to what? His body and his blood. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is the grace he's waiting to offer us. Not just wine, but the sweetest of drinks, his precious blood. Take the first steps. It might not be easy in the beginning. It will not, not, it might not, it will not be easy. We have a bulldog at home. And if you know anything about bulldogs, they're stubborn, okay? But this bulldog loves me. And I'm the one who walks him like nine times a week. Yes, I say nine times because sometimes I walk him twice a day. It's good for me, yes. But I asked my wife, and every time it's the same thing. He won't walk with me. I try and I drag him and I'm not strong enough. I said, but just keep trying. So finally, not too long ago, I've been kept, kept asking my wife, please help me, please help me. It's just too much sometimes. <clears throat> and finally she walked him for seven minutes. And you would think like when she came back, i be like, seven minutes, that's all? No, you gotta do this and that. I was so happy. I was like, good job. I was like praising her. I said, this is the best thing ever. And I made her feel like she's the greatest because that first initial step is the hardest. Whenever you try something spiritually, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be foreign. It's You're gonna feel stuck. You're gonna feel like this bulldog that you can't drag. It's okay. Keep going, keep going. Do you think St. Matthew, the second he left the tax office, he was ready to write the gospel? Do You think? It took like 30 years later he wrote the gospel. Can you imagine that? He wasn't at that moment changed forever. He took his first steps. St. Moses the Strong, St. Moses the Black. Do you know how many years he struggled with his past in his mind? Over 20 years. 20 years, there was a story of St. Moses. He was starting his journey to be a monk and he would go to try to go to sleep or, and pray and then he would get attacked by demons. And then he would, Amba isidore was such a loving father and patient. He said, anytime you need me, come, come to me. So he came to him and then Amba isidore would pray for him. And he would go back to son. And then what happened? Just a few minutes later, again attacked by demons. And then he would go where? Back to? Abba Do you know how many times he went in one night? Eleven times. Eleven times. That's just one night. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. But actually, God allows that because He loves you. He wants to build that strength in you. He wants you to know it's going to take some time. And the struggle, as the fathers say, is the victory. You fighting means you're winning. When do you lose is when you stop. Does that make sense? You fighting in your spiritual life, even if you fall and you get back up again, fighting, fall, get back up again, you're winning. You lose and you fail when you stop fighting. that story of St. Moses. I'll finish off with this. Abba Isidore at the very end, St. Moses like the 11th time was like, I can't take this anymore. Like, you gotta help me. You gotta do something for me. You pray for me and I go back. Abba Isidore said, come, follow me. He took him out to the mountains and he said, look to the west. And he saw demons flying to and fro and all these evil spirits in darkness. And he said, wow, why does God allow this? And then obviously God said, look to the east. And he saw innumerable, more amount of angels. And he saw them overtake the demons. And he said, those who are with us are much greater than those who are against us. I'll tell you one last dream about somebody they had. Because to show us that our church is real, and the prayers are real, and when you pray them, don't just recite quickly, every word is precious. Someone had a dream of a person who was struggling with something, they were praying and praying and praying or something. And they saw this person, in the dream, with hundreds of angels around them, hundreds! Angels at their feet, angels before them, angels behind them, angels above them, angels going before them to go to deliver messages, angels behind them protecting them all around. And as they were praying the Egbeya, don't we pray this? What do we say? Surround us by your holy angels that by their what? Camp, the huge camp. We may be guarded and guided into the unity of the faith. Each of you, each of us, children of God, we are surrounded by angels, hundreds of angels all around us to protect us, to watch over us, to guide us, to lead us, okay? Don't ever forget that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Know who you are to conduct our lives in the right way. Know who you are. Listen to our mother as she says to us, Whatever he says to you, do it. Empty yourself of anything that doesn't belong to God. Fill yourself with the water, as we said. We know what the water is: readings, prayers, confession, repentance, tears, matanyas. Fill yourself with His Word and His Body and His Blood, and commune with Him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, of Holy Spirit, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.